This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. Today, I am talking with my friend, Sam Kelly. She is the founder and president of Fierce Athlete and also the author of the just released book, Be Fierce, The Athlete's Guide to Growing Physically, Mentally, and Spiritually. I'm so glad to have you here, Sam. Welcome. Thanks, Sarah. It's so good to be here. Well, last time we talked, I think you were training for a marathon. How did that go? Uh, yeah, actually a half Ironman. Oh, yeah. So I had to swim and bike as well. It was it was an offering. I will an say offering. that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was hard. Definitely a good prayer to offer to the Lord. So yeah, that was just this past weekend. So I am in recovery mode. <laughs> but you completed it. I did. Awesome. I'm yeah. proud of you. Thank you. So I would be proud of myself running to the mailbox. So <laughs> good for you. You always encourage me. So Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who is Sam Kelly? What is Fierce Athlete? Mm. Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm a daughter of God. You know, so much of what I, I spend my life and my ministry focusing, focusing on is identity, you know, because for so many years I was an athlete. My background is um, I was a division one soccer player at the University of Connecticut kind of reversion back to my faith while in college. And that sent me on this trajectory to do missionary work and now run Fierce Athlete, which helps female athletes specifically. But I, I love that question of who are you? It's like, I'm a daughter of God and I have that's been awesome. gifted with an incredible athletic ability. And that's part of who I am. But at the end of the day, like I am his. Yeah. So I love that title, Fierce Athlete. What does that stand for? Fierce. Why did you name it that? I wanted to kind of first reclaim the word fierce. I think there's a war within some women of, well, can I really be fierce and also faithful? Mm. You know, can I be a woman and also competitive? And, and the answer to that question is yes. Fierce is an acronym. There are some pretty big words. So, so I don't, you know, project them out there to intimidate people, but they kind of are our pillars. So F is femininity. We spend a lot of time focusing on what is femininity. I is identity, as I just explained, is the foundation. E is embodiment. So a lot of what we do is based on theology of the body. So we talk about the importance of the female body. R is receptivity, which is the height of our femininity. C is Catholicism. So we reach all athletes of all faiths, but everything we, we teach and preach is based off the truth of the Catholic Church. And then E is encounter. We equip young women to, to encounter others and to share these truths with their teammates. It was such an important thing today, I think, given the climate in female athleticism today. So, and I, I can't wait to talk about what female sports has to do with the Bible and vice mm -hmm. versa. But first, you know, what role has scripture played in your life? I know you've been a Catholic forever. How did scripture become important to you? Yeah. You know, when I was in college, I actually got involved with some Christian athlete groups. And that's really where... I would say a love for scripture was modeled for me in a deeper mm. way. And when I began reading scripture, that really led me, ultimately my encounter with Jesus was in the Eucharist. 
mm-hmm. but I think scripture helped laid that foundation. You know, I've been a part of many Bible studies since. I've led Bible studies and, you know, I spend time daily in scripture now because it's it's living and active. It's a way to continuously interact with the Lord. So what is what is your daily habit look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I start my day praying with the daily readings and and then really doing some deep contemplative prayer with the gospel. I kind of use that as my springboard. Mm, the mass reading, the gospel Yeah, reading, the gospel reading. reading for mass for the day. You know, and sometimes we stay in that and sometimes the Lord uses that to springboard me somewhere else. But I really, you know, I, I kind of got out of the habit, I'd say about a year ago of of reading scripture daily and as I got back into it, I, and this is so obvious, but it was just one of those new thoughts that struck me deeper. You know, these are the actual words that Jesus spoke, you yeah. know, and so often we're like, oh, I can't hear the Lord's voice or I'm not sure what he wants from me. And it's like, it's right there. These are actually the things he did, actually the words he spoke. And so if I want to get to know him deeper and, he, you know, because he knows everything about me and I have a deeper desire to know him and to hear him. It's right there. So do you have an example of a time when he really spoke to you? What are you hearing lately as you listen to the gospel? Well, even like this morning, so I just did this half Ironman, which the Lord was very present in, but I had this kind of moment of panic in the swim. It's kind of overwhelming to get into like basically an ocean and swim, (laughs) uh, you know, over a mile, 1.2 miles. And I, I got out there and I just had this moment of panic and I almost can't explain it. I've heard it's common. And I was just like, I, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, you just have to keep going. And I just started praying. I was like, Jesus, mm-hmm. like, I need you. I need you to like help me get through this. And so I just kept taking another stroke and another stroke and another stroke. And eventually I kind of settled in. And my spirit directed pointed this out. They're like, why did you panic? And we were kind of talking about it. And they, so they were like, so basically you were kind of like Peter. You know, Peter oh, on, the, on, the water. on the water and huh. losing his focus. And it was Jesus that like brought you through. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, good. I was. I was. There's a lesson there, right? That I, I, you know, it really is the Lord who allowed me to do that. Also, I think the Lord is using that to call me deeper into deeper trust with him. Mm-hmm. And so I was just, you know, like our, our life can relate so, so directly to scripture. And so I was praying with that this morning of, yeah, that story and that that trust, having a deeper trust in the Lord amidst amidst the waves, literally. All the waves, yeah, taking your eyes off the waves and putting them on Him. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Yeah. So I think that I first got to know you, I was trying to remember when we met, but I, I think I first got to know you through the Theology of the Body Institute at mm-hmm. maybe a week-long course that we were at. And you were working for the Institute at that time, as I remember. Mm-hmm. But John Paul II, of course, was heavily influenced by Scripture in his development of that whole way of understanding who we are as male and female. So how does Scripture help you understand your identity as a woman? Mm, it's so good because that is like one of the biggest questions today, right? We just had mm-hmm. that doc- documentary, What is a Woman? It had been out, but go viral it's pretty remarkable that that's a question that we're having to ask. I don't know about that. What was that documentary? Put out by, I'm blanking on his name. It's What is a Woman? 
it, it's fascinating because they go around and they ask people, well, what is a woman? And people oh, wow. like literally can't answer the question. And then they go to like, this is all in America. Then they go to some African country and they're, they're just so confused by, by why we even have to ask the question, right? <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good watch. It's a little scary just to see how people are warped. But yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the Catholic Christian perspective is that, you know, we see this in Genesis. I think it's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. But it says we're made in the image and likeness of God and he created us male and female. And that's it. And then I think it's 2 Corinthians 6, 16 to 18. It talks about how we are adopted children of God. And you know, putting those two identities, those two scriptures together, like our, our core and our deepest identity is that we are, as women, we are daughters of God. Mm-hmm. And men who are biologically created as men are sons of God. And that's it. Like that's, when we can understand that truth, it, it changes everything. So does that change? Obviously it changes everything for us just as women in general, but what about as a female athlete? Why is it important to know who you are as a woman. Mm. Well, historically, sports have been male-dominated, right? Women, you know, with the introduction of Title IX 50 years ago, were given more opportunities to, to play sport. But historically, you know, women have looked to men as models for sport. Mm. You know, 50 years ago, I have a friend who played, it was amateur at the time, but essentially pro tennis. And she has said, I had to apologize for, for liking sports and being athletic. Oh. And so... You know, there's been a huge cultural shift where, you know, women in sport is praised and accepted, but there is a lot of confusion. This is something I struggled with because I was six feet tall and athletic and had big muscles. I always felt like I wasn't feminine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's so much confusion in our world today over masculinity and femininity, this whole concept of gender that's been introduced and we have to be so careful with our language, but but our our nature as human beings is we are a body-soul union. And so what that means is the fact that I was biologically created as a woman makes me feminine in my whole being. I actually, like, I actually almost, John Paul II says, you, you almost can't deny it. Hmm. You know, we, we in a society, we, we try to project cultural norms onto someone's identity. But again, those are those are subjective things. Those are things that shift and change. And one woman might be athletic. One woman might be into music. One woman might like to dress up. You know, it it has no bearing on our femininity. Yeah, there's certain cultural principles, certain attributes to a woman revealed through our bodies. But at the end of the day, I just am. I just am a woman and I just am mm-hmm. feminine. And that message, to share that message with women yeah, I've just seen a tremendous amount of self-acceptance, a tremendous amount of freedom. There, there doesn't have to be a war between your athleticism and your gifts and your femininity. The two are actually very united, and that's how you were created. So what does it mean to be a fierce, competitive woman? Uh, is that different than being a fierce, competitive man? <laughs> yeah, because men and women are different. You know, I, I love to talk about how the, I mean, what makes us different as men and women is our biology, but our biology reflects an interior difference. And so men, you know, in the sexual act, men are external. The height of masculinity is sacrifice. Not that women don't have some elements of sacrifice, but the height of masculinity is sacrifice. This is why Jesus had to be a man. One of the reasons. 
the height of femininity is receptivity. And then it's this ability to bear forth life. And that's in a, phys- a physical way, but that's in a, a, a psychological way, a mental way, an emotional way, a spiritual way. You know, so we look at we look at our perfect model as Mary, right? She's receptive to God in the Annunciation. I think mm-hmm. we see the height of her femininity as receptive to, to Jesus at the crucifixion when she's in suffering. And so those are the elements I share with female athletes of, you know, you have this natural receptivity. That's why when women play sports, they're more naturally team oriented. Hmm. They're more like they pass the ball more where men are a little bit more individualistic. So it's kind of this very natural difference, but it reveals something different about our design. So yeah, you know, I share with women like, you, you know, you can be competitive and you can be intense but you're also called to be tender. You're also called to be receptive to your teammates. You're also called to to be open to suffering and and bear life. <laughs> and that is you exercising your femininity every time you step out on the playing field. So if we turn to the New Testament, I mean, not only Jesus, but St. Paul writes about competition. He clearly was familiar with it because he uses it as a metaphor quite a bit. For example, he talks about pressing onto the goal in Philippians 3 or fighting the good fight and finishing the race in 2 Timothy. So how does, what can we learn from St. Paul about what true competition is or the way to truly compete, whether Mm -hmm. as athletes or in the race of life? Yeah, I mean, something I love about athletics, John Paul II says it's, it's the gymnasium for human virtue. And so I think it's a very natural analogy, you know, for Paul to use because it's all about people persevering, suffering in order to reach a goal, right? Mm -hmm. Racing towards a finish line and doing so in the face of adversity and having to do so with other people that are different than you. And, and, but he uses that, you know, to really parallel our, our heavenly race, if you will, you know, we're, our, our goal isn't some athletic accomplishment, our goal is, is heaven. Hmm. So beautifully, just recently, uh, Oklahoma women's softball just won the national championship for the third year in a row. And there's this viral video right now going around where the three of the players are asked, well, what brings your team so much joy? Hmm. And they go off about how, well, you know, even if we had lost, we'd still have the same amount of joy because our joy is in Christ and this oh. is all about our heavenly home. And I was so struck, you know, the sport has allowed these women to realize that, you know, sp- sport is like beautiful and it's a good, and it's something that's taught them good lessons, but ultimately it's not going to fulfill them. Hmm. And I think St. Paul, it, it's a very tangible analogy that St. Paul used because, you know, athletes have to take, they have to train daily in order to to reach a goal. And, you know, in our spiritual life, like, so much of it is about receiving and, and letting the Lord work, but we have to avail ourselves to that daily. We can't earn our salvation and, you know, it's a gift, but we have to open ourselves to it, right? Mm-hmm. We have to do what the Lord has asked of us in the commandments. And that's not easy. That is not easy. There is there's a lot of suffering involved in that, a lot of sacrifice. But I think if you talk to any athlete, it's worth it. And I think if you talk mm-hmm. to any Christian, they know it's it's going to be worth it. And so, yeah, I think that's why that analogy is is so good. It's so pertinent. And it's not wrong to go for a goal. I mean, there is a goal that is worth achieving. So mm-hmm. it is, you know, in, in earthly sports, it, it may not be all about winning every time, but 
in the spiritual life, I think it probably is about winning. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> we want to attain the prize. And yeah. it, it requires fighting. It requires sacrifice. Like you said, it requires discipline. Yeah. It, no and pain, to, no gain. Yeah. And to your point about competition, you know, I think we have a, a very false sense of what true competition is. Uh, in what it, way? In America, like our, our sense of competition is... I need to beat you. I need to mm. be better than you. I need to step on your shoulders in order to get ahead. I need to hope that you get hurt. So I play, you know, like these are very mm. real thoughts of athletes. Um, but that's not what it's about. Like, you you know, when an athlete plays a game, it's so, it's so much more fun if it's a close game that goes down to the wire and maybe you lose than if it's a game that you win very easily. Mm -hmm. Because there's something when you when you compete against somebody who's working hard, you, you push each other to be better. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a there's something in, in, in and I think and I've seen this. I've seen this in a lot of Catholic circles. There's this spiritual competition, like who's the holiest? Wow. Or and it's almost this twisted identity of like, well, I'm a Catholic, and it's like, well, yes, you are, but you're actually first and foremost daughter of God. And I've called I've called women out on this. Yes, the way that you practice your faith, the fullness of the truth is the Catholic Church. But it's not about comparison and it's it's about inspiring each other. It's not about trying to outcompete the other in holiness because that's twisted, right? Mm -hmm. What we're called to do is run the race together. We're called to pick each other up when we fall down. We're called to help each other get to the finish line. And then that's a celebration that we've both achieved that. It's a celebration that we've both grown in our spiritual life, or if we're talking about sport in our physical life. And, and it, it just allows for this proper like view of, yeah, working together, even though it is competition, working together towards a similar goal. Uh, like teammates. Yeah. So there, there might be one sense I can think of, though, in which, I mean, we all have an adversary. There's somebody we're fighting against to get to heaven, mm -hmm. you know, and there's that, you know, St. Peter, in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, where he talks about the devil prowling about like a lion, you know, seeking for someone to devour. And so we have to compete in the sense of trying to overcome that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in athletics, it's we have to remember our, our, our opponent's not the enemy, but we all do have a common enemy. The devil is real. I mean, one of his, ta his number one tactic is to convince us that he's not, and he is. His second tactic then is is to discourage us, to isolate us, to make us believe lies about ourselves and our identity. And you know, we have to, we really have to to work hard to almost armor ourselves against that, against the temptations, the things that he throws our way. And that does take that coming back to St. Paul, like that does take perseverance, you know, because he's he's witty. You know, he he's yeah, sly. So yeah, I think it's important that we all recognize that there is a common enemy. That's not necessarily sometimes the people that we think. We want to be careful not to demonize people. Yeah. But realize that, you know, the devil and, and evil spirits are real and they will try to attack and divide us. And, you know, we, we have to pray against those things. We mm -hmm. have to seek the sacraments. We have to read scripture. We have to fill our minds with, with good things because he is the source of a lot of the bad. Yeah. So I think Peter's right on, right? We have to be aware. Yeah. 
So I've been thinking about fierce, fierce athlete and the Bible. And I wonder if there's a uh, a woman in the Bible who exemplifies, you know, maybe not a fierce athlete. I can't think of a female athlete in the Bible per se, but but someone who exemplifies what it means to be fierce. And mm. uh, you already talked about the Blessed Mother, so maybe somebody else. Well, I'm going to talk about her again first, but then I have okay. another one. <laughs> Go ahead. I think Our Lady is the perfect model of what it needs means to be fierce because she crushes the head of Satan. Like we all, we, 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 we don't think of Mary enough in that light. You know, we, she is, of course, the most tender, loving mother that ever lived. But she also is often pictured stepping on a serpent with a bare foot. You know, like the devil is afraid of her because of her goodness and her purity. And so she's not afraid to fight the devil. She's not afraid to protect her children. She's, she's very, very fierce, I think, in that regard. And how does she do it? Through her purity, through her prayer, through her receptivity to the Lord and his will. Yeah. It, through being our intercessor. All of those things. All those things. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's good because it's not the typical stereotype of fierce. And yet, look how effective it was against the devil. So right. you want to be a fierce adversary of the devil. Mm-hmm. Not be our, our blessed mother. Yeah. Yeah, she's the perfect model. So I also love Judith because she cut mm-hmm. off somebody's head. <laughs> <laughs> you like that. <laughs> She was courageous, you know, she snuck behind she enemy was. lines. Like, yeah, she's so courageous. So it's, yeah, maybe that's a little bit more apparent, but I think both and are fierce. There's many, many fierce women in the Bible. Well, it's good that, I mean, that whole idea of cutting off the head comes from Genesis 3, you know, when when God says that the serpent will eventually be overcome by Mm -hmm. the woman and her seed, and and she will crush the head of the serpent. And of course, Judith is a kind of a literal example of that. JL also, who puts a tent peg through (laughs) the enemy's head, but Our Lady. And I like that because, so you like it that one of them cut off his head and was courageous in the world and went out there. I kind of like the quiet kind of being fierce. It's more, (laughs) more in keeping with my personality, but both of them, both of them avail. And I think Mm -hmm. that goes to show that, you know, we're not tied down to particular stereotypes of what it means to be feminine. Mm -hmm. God has made many different women, all of whom are feminine, but who act that out kind of in different ways, depending on what they're called to in life. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Judith, the new poster child for fierce. (laughs) I will look for her on your next book. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, Sam, before we go, I would love to know if you have a favorite scripture, you know, some go-to place when you need encouragement in this race of life. Um, something that you could encourage people with? Yeah, my all-time favorite scripture is um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. Just to paraphrase, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. And later it says, Whenever I'm weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. And 
in some regards, that scripture has always been very encouraging to me as an athlete. Like when I feel most weak or most tired, the Lord is there. Peter in the waves again. Yep. In another regard, I, uh, this is my, probably some of my perfectionist, strong-willed personality. I don't like being weak. Mm -hmm. And so it's a good challenge for me, right? That Mm -hmm. quote unquote weakness is actually an opportunity for Christ to be strong for me in the moments when I feel most weak or most vulnerable or most lonely, like that, those are the places where Christ meets me most intimately. Mm. And so while it's an encouragement, it's also kind of my challenge verse at the same time, Mm. because it brings me back to the right perspective and breaks me of my self-reliance and, you know, encourages that, that deeper reliance on the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the other encouraging thing about that is strength is important. I mean, he's not saying don't be strong, mm-hmm. but that your his strength is made perfect in your weakness, but it's also his strength flowing through you. And we mm-hmm. look at Judith praying to the Lord to help her against the enemy, and he gives her that power to do it. And he does mm-hmm. it through a physical manifestation, yep. but it's his power that's made perfect in her weakness as a woman, her perceived weakness, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, well, I would love to just read that reflectively with everyone. We can pray with it together. And after I do that, I will close us in prayer. So if anybody wants to read along, again, we're in Second Corinthians chapter 12, and this is verses 9 and 10. You may want to close your eyes and just ask the Lord to speak to you as you as you listen to how he might be wanting to be strong for you in your weakness. So come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Again, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I, and this is Paul talking now, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Heavenly Father, we pray for your grace. We pray that your grace will be sufficient for us. And we thank you for your word and for the life and the strength that it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder what you say to us in scripture. Give us the grace that we need to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Amen. Mary, mother of the word, pray pray for for us. us. So thank you, Sam, for talking with me and for everything that you're doing to help female athletes find their true identity in Jesus Christ. And I wonder before we go, is there anything else that you would like to add? Just would uh, ask for the listeners' prayers for Fierce, but also just for women and women's athletics. We're under a um, unique we're in a unique battle right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so f- female athletics at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, but just that the Lord would prevail and then it would be a a means for people to wake up to the truth and the reality of the beauty of the sexual difference. 
Mm-hmm. And there is a lot more online and through Fierce about the things that you're doing. And can you please tell people where they can find out more about that and about your book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everything's on fierce.org. We also have a podcast, the Fierce Athlete Podcast. Social media is all Fierce Athlete. And then my book, you can find it on our website or on Amazon. Wonderful. Thank you. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. If you'd like to get a copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible or the brand new companion journal, they're available to you for a special price, $5 off of each and free shipping. Just go to AveMariaPress.com and use the promo code BiblePodcast. The offer expires at the end of 2023. God bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.